Y'all can be seated, man. I tell you what, I can't wait to talk to you about the love of God. We're going to jump right into this thing today. Hallelujah. Mm. Sometimes you just, you don't have the words. Amen. We're going to jump right into this. I've been teaching lately on the enemies of faith. I want to welcome our Indianapolis campus and everybody that's watching us online. I want to talk about another enemy to our faith today. Is not understanding God's love for you. See, it's not, it's, a not, it's not about your love for God. It's about his love for you. Um, and I'm going to explain what I, what I mean by that. We're going to go to the scripture. We're going to look at, at, at the word. And um, God loves you so very much. His love for you is unconditional. If if God's love was based on your performance and what you do, that would make his love conditional. Either it's unconditional or it's not. Now, let me just warn you a little bit. Um, Sandra McCollum said something. I'm going to give her credit for it. Next time I say it, I might not give her credit. Uh, she's a wonderful friend of ours. She's, uh, she'll be here in January. Sandra is, uh, she, boy, she's so free, and she's just got, got a, a, a wonderful understanding of God's grace, and she's just so real. I love preachers that are just real. You know, she, she's Joyce Meyer's daughter, and she had done um, audible, she, she narrated her mom's books, a lot of her mom's books, and she recently has uh, a book called I Tried Until I Almost Died. It's a happy day when you quit, when you're trying to do everything to be a good Christian and, and to keep up, keep up with the Christian Joneses. <laughs> trying to be acceptable to God and trying to get God to be pleased with you and love you. And she's got a wonderful story. Maybe she'll share it when she comes, but she said she quit. And that's the basis of her book, I Tried Until I Almost Died. Well, uh, recently she, again, she's so real. She posted on her Facebook page that somebody had made a, a negative comment about her. And uh, I love it because she talked about just being real, how that would have affected her until she understood about God's, God's grace and God's love. Um, this person said that, uh, and she, she narrated her own book, it's on Audible, <clears throat> and I encourage you to get it, make the devil mad, and you can listen to it in your car or whatever. Uh, on audible.com you can get it, but somebody made a comment, well, that's not a bad story, talking about her story in her book, but um, I just can't get past the sound of your voice. And I just can't finish it. 
Now, anybody, now she said, I don't want anybody to go and respond to that person. I just want to help you and help you understand that years ago, that would have bothered me. She said, but now I'm so free, the opinions of others don't affect me. You know why? See, because she understands God's love for her, that she's approved by God. See, until God's opinion of you is enough, you'll never be truly free. You are valuable. You are a work of art. What do you mean? Well, the Bible says that you are his masterpiece. That's what the word handiwork is. You, you are um, his masterpiece, Ephesians 2.10. Hallelujah. And so, now to the quote that uh, Sandra said. It was so good. Um, I took a screenshot of it. I circled it. And she talked about the love of God. Uh, the, the love of God is not the ABCs of Christianity. A lot of people think, well, that's the ABCs and love. Oh, yeah, yeah, God loves me. Yeah, I understand that. Now, let's move on to something deep. But there's nothing deeper than the love of God. In our whole lifetime, we won't understand fully, 100%, how much God loves us. And, and see, when you understand how much he loves you, then nothing is going to irritate you. Nothing nobody says is going to affect you in a negative way. Now, I know it hurts when people that particularly when people who love you say stuff and that's hurtful. But you know what? When you understand how much God loves you, it doesn't, it, it, won't, it won't be able to harm you. Can you say amen? amen? I can't hardly finish her quote. The last part of it is really what I want you to see. She said that, that love, God's love, is not the ABCs of Christianity. She said it's the whole alphabet. It's A to Z. Thank you, Jesus. For in Christ Jesus, this is enemy number five. I keep adding to these enemies. I have four when I started. But these last two, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do, do six. These last two and number one to me are the most important. Okay? No, enemy number one is a lack of knowledge of God's word because you're not going to understand none of this stuff. You're not going to un understand God's love unless you understand his word. See, because we need to know how to rightly divide the word of truth. I'm telling you, for, for 30 years almost, right around 30 years, I, I thought it was just about, all my teaching was pretty much about God's love was about my love for you or my love for God. I didn't focus on his love for me, which is the most important thing. And I'm going to show you from the scripture that it's not, it's not about, we shouldn't focus on our love for people. Now, we're going to love people as a response 
to his love for us. See, we got to receive this vertical before we can do the horizontal and, and, and even give it back to him. We got to receive his love. He who is loved, loves. You catch that? He who is loved, loves. And we just, just, read, just soak in and soak it up. Just soak up. Be saturated with God's love for you. I used to teach this another way. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision uh, uncircumcision is simply a, a non-Jew. Circumcision is the Jews. So he said it's not about that. It's not about whether you're Jew or not a Jew. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. But, but faith working through what? Faith working through love. And I used to teach on this, man. And I'd heard it taught that, man, you want your faith to work? We're talking about the enemies of faith. If you want, if I had been teaching this 10 years ago, I would have said, if you want your faith to work, you make sure that you are walking in love. Because if you're not treating people right, your faith ain't going to work. That is not what this verse is saying. What this verse is talking about is when you understand how much God loves you, your faith will go through the roof. This is not talking about your love. This is about his love for you. Boy, isn't that good? So your faith is going to work through understanding the love that your heavenly father has for you. See, when you understand he loves you, you understand there's nothing he I mean, there's nothing that he won't do for you. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, let's go to 1 John 4. Okay. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God, see, man, the love of God was manifested toward us. We'll get to this later, but God demonstrated his love. He just didn't talk about it. He demonstrated his love by sending his son to die for us. Isn't that love? He gave his very best. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. And he came that we might have a life and have it more abundantly. So what is he talking about, live through him? He's talking about abundant life because you live in any way. Right? You can't just be talking about existing. Everybody lives, but he wants us to have, we have his very life. It's Zoe. It's the life that God has. 
Amen? Are y'all listening? Yes. Y'all trying to go to the mall? Is there some kind of specials going on or something? Huh? We'll get you out. We'll get you out before the Pentecostals. The Baptists are about to get out in 20 minutes. But we'll... Let's... So, let's see... You can, you can be tempted to think that this is elementary. But I just want you, as I'm teaching right now, see, um, just let the love of God just come over you. Think about where you're hurting right now. God wants you to live. Y'all need me to just raise my voice a little bit? Um, okay. Now, you don't have to shout and do all that, but just make sure you're listening. Don't, don't fall asleep. Amen? Because this is good stuff. Amen. That we might live. Say that I might live. live. I'll have you help me teach. Okay. Zoe. See, Zoe is life as God has it. When he said, I came that you might have a life in the Greek, that's Zoe. That's that's absolute life. Life like God has it. Is Jesus depressed? As Jesus is, so am I. Is he frustrated? No. No. What's he doing during the storm? He's asleep. So am I. I'm resting in the finished work of Jesus. He sent his son that we might live through him. Now watch it. Here, herein is love. This is, this is love right here. Now listen to this. I don't know. I've been reading my Bible for years. I never saw this. Not, not, not that we love God, but that he loves us. See, when you understand how much he loves you, you won't, you won't falter, you won't fail. See, Peter was always bragging about how much he loved God. Oh, Lord, even if everybody leaves you, I'll never leave you. Jesus said, all right, dog, before the rooster crow." You're going to deny me three times. And sure enough, he not just denied Jesus. Think about this. He denied him with cursing and swearing. He said, you were with him. No, I'm blankety blank, blank, blank. He started cussing. Yes, he did. Read your Bible. I don't know the man. Stop asking me, <laughs> right? You was with him, no! And don't get me cussing in here, man. I don't, <laughs> the video go viral. I don't use that kind of language, so I don't know what kind of language he was using, but I know he was cussing. And this is the same, this is the same person. Imagine what, imagine what kind of condemnation that he was under when he told Jesus that he would never forsake him, never turn his back on him. Jesus knew, and he wasn't angry with him then, even though he knew what was going to happen. Before the rooster crow, you're going to deny me three times. And that rooster crowed. And, 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 and he was in Jesus' eyesight. And the Bible said that Jesus looked at him. Something, he wasn't looking at him like, mm-hmm. 
Told you. Mm-hmm. Look at you. You ain't committed. See, that's the way a lot. When <laughs> uh, that's the way a lot of preachers treat folks. You're not committed. Look at your commitment. But Jesus didn't do that. I believe with all my heart that Jesus was looking at him with eyes of love. It's going to be okay, Peter. I'm going to restore you. Thank you, Jesus. He even prayed for him one time. He said, I, I pray, I'm praying for you. He said, Satan wants to sift you like wheat, but I pray for you that your faith won't fail. <laughs> huh? And he got restored. Huh? And I, I, I love this, and I, I, uh, maybe, maybe next week I'll, I'll walk you through it and show, show you this in a word, but there's a sequ sequence of events that happened where um, when, when Jesus rose from the dead and, and Peter was, uh, was in the boat and they were, they were out fishing and Jesus was on the shore, he jumped in the water to go to Jesus. Isn't that something? And um, why would somebody do that if they were under condemnation? You would think that Peter would be the last person that want to jump out that boat. But I mean, he, he, I mean he, he went straight to Jesus in a hurry. But the scripture tells us this, that, that he had a conversation with him. Now when Jesus, listen, when Jesus rose from the dead, you know what he said? He told those women, he said, go tell the disciples and Peter. He could have just said, don't go tell the disciples. Why did he single Peter out? Because he knew that Peter was under condemnation for what he did. And he said, go, make sure you tell Peter. And I, I don't have a reference here, but he had a conversation with, with Peter. After he rose from the dead, in between the time he rose from the dead and the time that he was out there fishing. But we don't have record of what he said. But we, one can imagine that he poured his love into Peter. Assured him that you're approved, you're accepted. It's okay, Peter. And he restored him. I love that. Because that's the only thing that he would have had to do that you know, he wasn't saying, look, you, you messed up, man. You go, now you're going to have to prove your love to me. That's not his nature. When, the more that you read the word of God, you know that that's not the nature of Jesus. If you ever want to know what the father looks like and his attitude towards you, look at Jesus. If you want to see who, what Jesus is like, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see how he dealt with people. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. You never see him rejecting people, always accepting, no matter what they've done. A woman caught with adultery. One could go on and on. A woman at the well. He always restored when religious people wanted to throw stones and condemn. He was always the one pouring his love. When everybody's walking out on people, he's the one left. 
When people walk out of your life, he's the one left standing in front of you telling you you can make it and that I love you and that you, I'm, I, I, I approve of you. So all I do as a pastor is, is I'm echoing that. And other, other preachers don't like that. They don't like what I'm teaching, okay? Which is cool because, um, you know, some ministers, they just like controlling folks and policing their lives. But when you lead people to Jesus, man, he told that woman that was caught in adultery, neither do I condemn you. As no, when everybody walked out, they caught her in the act. Jesus, Jesus didn't condone what she did. He said, has no one condemned you? Neither do I. Isn't that amazing? We read John 3.16, but sometimes we don't look at the next verse. Everybody, everybody know John 3.16? Say it with me. Gave his only begotten son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, I went on to quote the next verse. Some of y'all quoted with me because you know it, and that's a good thing. You just don't pull scriptures out, and that's scripture, John 3 16, good all by itself. But where people miss it is, is not looking at the next verse. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. That's why he treated that woman like that because he reflected the attitude of his daddy. He said, I didn't come to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is his will. The people are not condemned. So we saw how he restored Peter. Now, this is what I want you to see. John never failed. He never bragged about his love for Jesus. He bragged about Jesus' love for him. <clears throat> Let me just say this up front. Jesus loved every disciple equally. But, God, but, but, but John understood his love for him. <clears throat> he made the love of God personal to him. In 30 years, I never saw, maybe you've seen it. Do you know how many times that John called himself the disciple who Jesus loves? Huh? Somebody said five times. Who told you that? Because I taught him. See? And I didn't know it for years. There's no, no shame in knowing. I mean, we always learning. Yeah? So, five times. Everybody say five times. Five times. I was amazed when I looked at that. I used to read over that. He calls himself the disciple who Jesus loves. Five times. And it's, it's interesting. See, there, there, there's, some, there's humanity mixed in with the gospel. It's the scripture, all the scriptures God breathed. However, um, there's some, some human elements in it. Do you know that 
John calling himself the disciple who Jesus loved is only in John's gospel. See, but that's in there. There's no insignificant details in the Bible. I'm a Bible scholar. I love discussing Scripture. I could talk Scripture with people all night. I love getting around people who love the Scripture, man. We just get around and just talk about Jesus. That's why I like Sandra McCollum. She's become good friends of Carl Carl and I. And and all she talks about is Jesus. She said, I want to, I get up every day and I want to make Jesus famous. I want to make him famous. Because he is, he's all of that. One day every knee will bow to him. Hallelujah. Watch this. John never faltered. He didn't brag about how much he loved God. He bragged about his love, God's love for him. When you understand how much God loves you, man, you won't fail. And even if you fall, you can't fall because none of us are perfect. We, We get back up understanding how much he loves us. This What I'm talking about today, this is love. Not, it's not about your love for God. Do you see that now? It's not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Let's drop down to verse 16. And we have known, now here's here's the thing that we got to get to. Let me just cut to the chase. Let me just get right to um, a lot, what a lot of people wonder and what the disciples wonder. What must we do to do the works of God? They asked him one time. What, what, what do we do? What do we do to do the works of God? That's an important question. How many of you think that's important? I mean, they see him do all these miracles, signs, and wonders, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, all that kind of stuff. So... What must I do? I mean, that's amazing. Hallelujah. You know what he said? Believe. Believe on him whom he sent. Some people think I'm too simple. Because they want, they're looking for deep stuff, man. The gospel is simple. And it's the devil that tries to make things complicated. and, And the scripture warns us of that. That you don't let the devil throw you off and turn you away from the simplicity that is in Christ. The simplicity of the gospel is, it's finished. A lot of preachers like, it ain't finished till I say it's finished. (laughs) He started it. He didn't say it is started. He said it's finished. It's not my job. it's a big relief. I don't. Have, I get up in the morning just enjoying His presence. I don't, I'm not in here trying to save the world. He already did that. He already finished that whole thing. So what I got to do is just go and preach the gospel, tell people the good news that Jesus. I mean, this 
is the ministry of reconciliation that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing, it's an accounting term, not charging their sins against them. Let them know that their sins have been forgiven. Now they got to receive that. Amen? Now, I'm, I'm not one of these guys, people go out there, they call that um, universalism or whatever, the gospel of inclusion, which is no such thing. Uh, well, you know, everybody's saved. Everybody's saved because he took everybody's sins on the cross and everybody's going to get saved. Some people, people think the devil will get saved. Well, no. If, if everybody was saved, what would be the point of preaching? Why even come here today? <laughs> he that believes will be saved. We got to preach the gospel so people will believe it. They got to receive it for themselves. Amen? So don't get stupid with this thing. But we got to believe. He said, what must we do to do the works of God? He said, believe on him whom he sent. Now let's have dinner. What were they expecting? A seminar on how to do the works? Huh? All these spirits, spirit of this and the spirit of that. You know, Jesus didn't, now I'm just so simple. This is why, you know, people can't handle me because I'm too simple. I don't go around teaching on these different spirits in the church. Wait, did Jesus go around doing, teaching about all the different spirits that you need to watch out for? Sells a lot of tapes. How did Jesus handle the demons? Pastor, you saying demons not real? No, Jesus said, come out. Jesus was so cool. This little boy throwing a fit. I brought him to your disciples, and they couldn't do anything. If you can do anything, have mercy on us and help us. Jesus said, you say to me, read it out of the Amplified. You say to me, if I can do anything. If I can, are you kidding me? I mean, I, I would love to hang around with, with Jesus. Actually, I do. That's where you think I get this stuff from. And I wonder, what Bible are some people reading out of? Where, where are they? Get, it, they go deep in, once you jump into that Old Testament, and I love teaching from the Old Testament, but the, the, the scriptures, the, the, the Old Testament scriptures, they're there for our admonition for, and for our learning. They're there to show us Jesus. So I love teaching the Old Testament. See, some people get that twisted. They think, well, we're under grace, so we just teach, teach the New Testament. No, Jesus is in every book of the Bible. I love that. I love Leviticus used to freak me out. But then when I understood about the, the offerer bringing the, the lamb to the priests, and the priests would inspect the lamb, not the person. And the lamb had to be perfect. Who's that a picture of? Jesus. So now I look at Leviticus, I get excited, because man, that, that's a picture of Jesus. He, the, the father 
is not looking at me when I sin. He's looking at the lamb. And the lamb is perfect. Thank you, Jesus. He didn't look, the, the high priest didn't look at the offerer and say, let me make sure you really repent it. Wasn't about him, it was about his lamb. Whoo, wonderful. Read Song of Solomon. I used to um, think that about lovers. <laughs> but now I read it understanding this is about Jesus and his love for the church. And now, whoo! Amen. I understand now everything about you is beautiful. And there is no flaw in you. There's no no, um, no fault in you. Thank you, Jesus. That's Jesus' attitude toward the church. Actually, it says, not, not no fault in you, that there's nothing wrong with you. Everything about you is beautiful, and there's nothing. Song of Solomon, Song of Psalms 4-7. Everything about you is beautiful, and there's nothing at all wrong with you. What if, we, what if we looked at us and said, there's nothing wrong with you? Turn, turn the person next to you, there's nothing wrong with you. Tell them, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. You ever hear somebody, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? See, I don't, there's certain words I take out of my vocabulary. When I, when I look at people, there's nothing wrong with you. See, this, this, this is a game changer right here because what happens is when you see yourself the way God sees you, you stop looking at everybody else thinking that they think about you what you think about yourself. It's not really about, well, you don't feel good about yourself, so you think other people feel the same way that you feel about yourself. It's really not about what they think. It's about you receiving God's love for you, when you understand how much he loves you, everything changes. Are you listening to me? The condemnation falls away. You know, I don't give a blip about what somebody thinks about me. I don't care. I don't care what anybody thinks about this message. I'm not arrogant. People, people accuse me of being arrogant. I'm not arrogant. I know who I am. And when you know who you are, you're going to stand out because people are going to think that you're this or that. I don't think nothing. I, I, you know, I give all the glory to Jesus. I mean, I just want to show people Jesus. Like, 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 like Sandra, I want to make him famous. It's not about me. It's not about whether or not I preached a good message. Who cares? Sandra's not the only one. That encouraged me. Does that post encourage you when somebody they complained about her voice and still her voice that they couldn't even get through the thing? That encourages me because I have people say some crazy stuff. You wouldn't believe the kind of stuff people will say. People will say stuff like, after I preach or whatever, that, well, I don't like your pants. I don't like them red, nobody said that about my red pants, but you might not like them. But you ain't wearing them, I am. I got them on, you don't have them on, just wear what you want.
and so, so many people are extra. And let's just learn this about relationships. If somebody asked you an opinion one time, I was asking an opinion about something that I was considering buying, and I was like asking people's opinion if I want. I mean, you give your opinion, but you don't need all the extra stuff. You take them and throw them away. You know, I mean, don't. Just, I like it or I don't like it. I had a lady say to me, uh, this is why you have to understand, because people will say something. As long as you live in this world, people are going to say something to you, and sometimes it's around the holidays in a family gathering, because, see, you can't pick your relatives. <laughs> You're stuck with them, and they can say some, some of the meanest things can, can, can uh, come by somebody just saying something off to you at Thanksgiving. I think I had a, a manicure one day, and uh, my nails don't look too good right now. But then I, I wasn't even paying any attention to them, but some, one lady did, and on the way out, I was greeting people on the way out, and she told me, she said, um, I'm not going to join a church where the pastor's hands look uh, better than mine. That's what she said. Out of all the things, how do you say that to somebody? Now, she was right. My hands did look better than hers. But that's beside the point. No, no, really. I didn't, I didn't even look at her hands. I was so shocked. I'm like, You don't even know what, what do you even say about that. Here's a lady, and sometimes educated people will say stuff to you. Uh, I'm not saying that she wasn't educated. She may have been. Uh, this, this, this lady, uh, she was, I'll call her name because we're friends, and it was, it was, it was cool. I just kind of make, uh, she, she came up to me. She says, uh, she looked at me in my eye. She's a school, she's a principal of school. She looked at me, she says, Pastor, did I call her name? Okay, I just won't then. But it's, it's cool, because I just, I just kind of made, you know, made some fun out of it. She said, looked at me in my eye, she says, what's my name? It was Dr. So-and-so. And at the time, I just didn't know her name. It's like, what's my name? That's not good etiquette to ask somebody, okay, what's my name? All right. I've had people, you don't remember me, do you? I'm like, no. I don't even try to fake it. I'm so free. I just don't try to fake it. Anybody ever do that? Well, I, uh, somebody like, I haven't seen since high school, okay? That's 10 years ago. How am I going to, like, <laughs> like, you don't remember me, do you? We dated when we was five. Was five. <laughs> and people are funny. Since I'm all off the rail, I had a lady, I walked in a Panera Bread. I went to her, uh, uh, I was just in Panera Bread, and this lady came up to me. She used to go to Summit, and she, she came up to me. She said, you still going with Carla? <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I'm not 
still going with God. I never even heard anybody say that those terms. Still going. I said, yeah, yeah, I'm going. still going with Carla. <laughs> All right, let me just say this. I'll let you go. Okay, so it's like, what's my name? She was serious, too. She said, I'm not going to join the church and the pastor don't know my name. And I looked at her. I said, sister, if you don't know your name, how do you expect me to know? <laughs> like, what's my name? And somebody told me recently, I told that story recently, and, th and they said this happened, uh, something like that happened in an um, airport, and they had to change the, uh, you know how they shuffle you around like cattle in the airport. They change the gates, and you sit there waiting, and it's a half-hour delay, and you at A22, and they're saying, oh, we're going to change the gate now. It's going to be D30, and you got to jump and get on a tram and go all the way over there. And so, uh, anyway, people tend to get up tight. I used to have fun with just watching people and stuff. And, um, you know, because people, because what are you going to do about it? <laughs> so I don't concern myself. Thank God for these, um, these, these airports that have malls and stuff. I just go shopping. I like the airport. And delays, I don't care, three, four hours, I don't care. I'll sit down, go, go get me a cappuccino and chill out. Sit around, sit around watch people, you know. <laughs> Enjoy myself, do some work. Hey, Amen. I always got my, I can work anywhere. But people get uptight. So this one guy came up there. He was all uptight. He wanted to know, ask him all these hundred questions and stuff. And, you know, these people in the airports, what are they going to do? They, they, they just do what they're told. They said, you know, it's not going to depart for another three hours. So the guy, the guy came up and he said, do you know who I am? And, and, the, and the lady, she took, got, up, got on a loudspeaker, and she said, we have a gentleman up here, and he doesn't know who he is. Does anybody know? Does anybody know who, he is, who this man is? <laughs> is that good? <laughs> Amen. Every head, body, every eye closed. Heaven.